0: it's friday september 16th i'm producer victor wright in los angeles and this is the daily dive with so much of our information online and at risk from getting hacked you may be wondering if it's possible to scrub yourself from the internet unfortunately you'll probably never delete everything about you online but you can minimize how much information is out there however it's going to take a lot of time, patience, and money. Heather Kelly, tech reporter at the Washington Post, joins Oscar Ramirez for what to know about deleting your data online. Next, should recess be a right or a privilege for children in schools? For a long time, educators have withheld recess as a form of punishment for misbehaving students. However, research has shown that allowing students unstructured free time is important for developing social and coping skills in children, and there is a movement to protect recess, prohibiting schools from taking it away as punishment." Jackie Mader, early education reporter at The Heckinger Report, joins Oscar Ramirez for more on the fight for recess. Finally, Buy Now, Pay Later, the model that allows consumers to buy something, take it home, and pay for it in installments, has exploded in popularity. We're seeing more and more retail stores and apps offering this service and getting in on the action. While many are incentivized with the service, especially with most of them being interest-free, some experts are warning against them over concerns of overspending. Claire Ballantyne, personal finance reporter at Bloomberg News, joins Oscar Ramirez for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
2: So search for yourself. Search for your name plus your address, your name plus your cell number, your name plus any sensitive information, and see if there's any hits for that. And those are the things you're going to want to focus on trying to remove from Google. And they have a whole new form to do it on.
3: Joining us now is Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us,
2: Heather. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, privacy concerns have always been around, uh, more so now than ever, as we've seen so many things taking place. There's just a lot of concerns about what information could be used against us. And one of the things uh, I found interesting, you wrote an article, Heather, about how to scrub yourself from the internet the best you can, because you can't really completely take yourself off of there somehow. But uh, it's just uh, some interesting things, some uh, important things for people to know. First of all, how hard and how much you have to work at doing it and what to do there. So Heather, tell us a little bit more about it.
2: There's basically a ton of ways to try and get yourself on the internet. That's the good news. There are forms you can fill out, requests you can like give to these companies. The bad news, it'll probably be like a full-time job if you're to be really efficient at it.
3: Yeah. I mean, you, there's a lot of time, money, patience that you need to go through. It also helps to be in a place that has really good protections, privacy protections for people. So you suggested starting off With Google. I mean, it's the number one search engine. Everybody goes to it. Everybody uses it. And uh, you suggest with starting off with just kind of a simple Google search for your name.
2: Exactly. And like we won't pretend like we don't all do this anyways, but you you really want to search for yourself and see what's out there. And what you're considering in this situation isn't like what ad companies know about me or what law enforcement can find out. This is really what other normal people might be able to find if they had some time and wanted to look me up on the Internet, maybe harass me. So search for yourself. Search for your name plus your address, your name plus your cell number, your name plus any sensitive information and see if there's any hits for that. And those are the things you're going to want to focus on trying to remove from Google. And they have a whole new form to do it on.
3: Just a quick story, there was somebody knocking on our front door recently, trying to get in contact with somebody. Nothing happened. They left. Nobody was home. We can just see them on our ring camera. And then a couple hours later, my wife received a phone call from the person that was at our front door at that one time saying, Oh, I lost my cell phone and the GPS shows it's there. But we're like, how did they get our information? All of a sudden we went and started doing the Google search for my wife's name and everything. And her phone number was up there. Address was up there. Emails were up there. Associated peoples were up there. We're like, Whoa, how did all of this come about? What do you do for some of those websites that are kind of like, not necessarily LinkedIn specifically, but those types of things, those kind of public records websites?
2: So what's really frustrating about this is that you can remove things from there. They all have request forms you can fill out, but they're constantly being repopulated. And it's something you almost have to do at least once a year to really keep yourself off the internet. And then for the public sites, you know, like places that show you, you sold your house, or you bought a house. Those are picked up by data aggregators and these Spokio kind of weird search somebody you know from high school sites. Yeah, yeah exactly. It just replicates. It's like a, a Star Trek episode with the Trebles. It's just... Tribbles, tribbles, and they're just it's going to be everywhere it's going to be really hard to get rid of that information unless you're really on top of it
3: well so as you said, as you mentioned google has a form you can ask to request uh, certain information be taken down another thing you can do is opt out of sharing your data in a bunch of different places too
2: opting out is really going to be most useful for these really big data collection companies you've got experian equifax epsilon data management you've heard of some of their names Maybe not all of them. You can find a list at the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. Problem is there's going to be hundreds of them, but like, pick the biggest ones, start there. And again, like we mentioned earlier, it's really easier if you live someplace that's kind of looking out for your privacy rights. That's going to be the European Union and California right now. There are some other states with things in the works or a few smaller privacy regulations, but... Those are the real places where you can make a difference.
3: Yeah, California has the California Consumer Privacy Act, so you can tell companies, "Hey, you know, I want you to uh, delete my data," and then they're required to go and through that. You have to submit request forms for all that, but you know that's the steps you got to take there. You also mentioned limit what you put online. Now that one's so tough, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, if you're anything doing anything on social media, you're putting your dad out there. Anytime you download an app and you want to use, you know, a fun new app or even a banking anything, you're always giving up some of your personal information by doing so.
2: It's interesting you mentioned apps. I feel like we're really excited about smartphones still. And we have these app stores, unlimited, cool-looking apps. Trust very few of them. You don't know who made them most of the time. You don't read the privacy policy. Nobody does. It's fine. You don't know what they're doing with your information. And so I think people, one really important step is to be way more cautious when you're picking out the apps you want on your phone. And one easy thing you can do is if you have a new app and it says Share Contacts, Say no, just say no. There'll be other ways to use it, even if it's TikTok. You can use TikTok without giving it your contacts. Just say no.
3: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, all of this is to say that it's super tough to really scrub yourself from the internet. I mean, you almost have to like never be on there just to begin with. One of the last things that you suggest as another option is use a third party service. Now, these are going to cost you money, they're usually kind of subscription based.
2: I mean, in some ways, you're like, is this a scam? Are they the ones also putting our information out there and then charging it to take us back down? But there are a few legitimate services out there. Delete Me is one of the most reputable ones. I actually use it myself. And they constantly comb through all these data brokers through all these websites. And the company's also honest that like, even they can't get everything. Even a paid team of professional data deleters can't get everything about you off the internet. But this is important if you're concerned about harassments If you're, you know, coming out of of an abusive relationship, any reasons like that, it might be worth it to sign up even for a year or two, just to try and really minimize what's out there about you on the internet.
3: Heather Kelly, tech reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
4: child may not be able to track. I didn't get my parents to sign this form and now I'm sitting out at recess. So it's just not the most appropriate punishment is what child development experts are now saying, even though it is common and it has been common for a long time.
3: Joining us now is Jackie Mater, early education reporter at the Heckinger Report. Thanks for joining us, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about recess for kids. Right now, uh, you know, in a lot of schools uh, across the country, really withholding recess or, or making uh, students do other things during their recess time is being used as a punishment tool. You know, if kids are misbehaving, they're missing school or something like that. Well, the consequence is you don't get to go to recess, you don't get to play, or you got to walk laps. It seems like uh, a lot of places are doing this, but there's a, a movement in a lot of a, a number of states to try to pass laws to protect. Recess, you know, a lot of researchers say that this is a, a very uh, a critical element for kids for good development and whatnot. So the conversation all over the place is, should recess be a right or a privilege when it comes to these students? So Jackie, tell us a little bit more about this.
4: Yeah, um, so this is a really common punishment. It's been happening for a long time in schools. When I was interviewing experts, a lot of them said, oh, I remember this happening when I was a kid. Yeah, same here. Um, so Yeah, we all we all have those stories. We remember it happening. But there's been a growing understanding of both the importance of recess and the benefits that come with that, an understanding of the importance of free play, especially for really young children, and at a time when, you know, they're sitting in schools learning more academics than ever before. And so this time is really important. And then at the same time, pediatricians and child development experts, they're starting to say, this isn't the most appropriate punishment. There are other punishments that may be more effective, but going a route that can be more punitive or even stigmatize a child and doesn't really follow a natural consequence right like a child may not be able to track i didn't get my parents to sign this form and now i'm sitting out at recess so it's just not the most appropriate punishment is what child development experts are now saying even though it is common and it has been common for a long time on the teacher
3: side of things i mean how do they feel what do they do what are some recommendations for other things when you know they're at their limits a lot of times too they don't know how to discipline the kids
4: it's true. I mean, teachers need ways to manage their classrooms. They need to be able to enforce the rules. Kids need to learn, you know, you do have to follow rules in school. We're trying to keep everyone safe and we're trying to learn. Part of the problem that, you know, teachers talk to me about and, schools and administrators talked about is there often aren't enough supports for teachers so if a teacher has a really challenging behavior from a child in their classroom you know a lot of schools don't have social workers or counselors to come in and say hey we're gonna get to the root cause of this issue you know for some kids I talked to plenty of families whose kids have disabilities so they need more support and maybe you know punishing a kid because of a behavior that may be due to their disability isn't the right way to go these parents say Instead, they need more support, maybe from the special education team, but we know teachers are lacking. So, there's definitely, it's a hard time for teachers, and I know a lot of teachers are leaving the field, and many say, I mean, surveys have come out to say classroom management is one of the main reasons why teachers leave. So, you know, two things can be true. Teachers need more support, kids need more support, and we can, you know, come up with some more effective and what experts say are developmentally appropriate punishments. And to your question, some of those punishments may be, I mean, I talked to a pediatrician who said, in general, stigmatizing adults isn't appropriate. So we don't want to do that for kids, especially really young kids. It's something like explaining why we have these rules so kids understand why it's important, offering positive reinforcement. So maybe even offering an extra recess, right? And kids can work toward earning that. So they're not losing the one recess they have. They're working toward a reward. And I talked to a classroom management expert at a teacher training program who said, you know, they really teach their teachers to work on this kind of positive reinforcement instead of negative reinforcement system with their students so there are alternatives the problem is do teachers have the time you know even the knowledge they may not know some of these routes and the support to roll out different methods in their classroom
3: so the movement now right there's lawmakers in a number of states and you know obviously a lot of individual school districts too that are looking to either pass laws or policies that say well no we have to have This recess time for kids, you know, you can't use that, taking it away as a punishment.
4: Yeah, that's correct. So right now there are about 12 states that limit this in some way. Most of them say you can't use physical activity as a punishment or withholding physical activity as a punishment. So that includes recess. Very few outright say you cannot take away recess as a punishment. Illinois is one of those states that just passed this in 2021. And now four other states are considering this, Oklahoma, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. They all have bills moving through the legislatures right now that would specifically ban withholding recess. So there is kind of this growing understanding of, you know, like you mentioned, you know, children are behind in their development. That includes social development. And there's this a lot of, you know, mental health concerns for children. So this growing understanding that, hey, maybe recess is something that needs to be protected to help with all of this. And the best way to do that may be creating this law so it's not an option okay. i think a lot of people would argue you know on the flip side you also have to support teachers with other options totally. but it, it has <laughs> been shown that states that have laws to protect recess time those schools in those states are more likely to have recess time so there is some evidence that laws are kind of the way to go if you really want to protect recess
3: jackie mader early education reporter at the heckinger report thank you very much for joining
0: us Apple Pay Later lets you split the cost of an Apple Pay purchase into four equal payments spread over six weeks with zero interest and no fees of any kind. You can now get that espresso machine you've wanted and pay for it over time with no additional cost.
3: Joining us now is Claire Ballantyne, personal finance reporter at Bloomberg News. Thanks for joining us, Claire. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's talk about buy now, pay later. It's basically the new layaway. It's been around for some time. You probably start hearing about it a little bit more during the holidays as a bunch of places, uh, Target, Walmart, a lot of retailers are starting to offer this. But increasingly now, we've got apps that are involved in this, so you can do this year round. And what we're seeing is that a lot of experts are kind of sounding some warning alarms saying, you got to be careful. There's uh, risks of overspending if you're not particularly good at managing your finances. So, Claire, tell us what we're seeing with all this.
5: They're becoming increasingly popular. It's one of those services that makes it easier to buy things. Um, that almost every checkout calendar now, there's some form of this. And essentially, consumers like it because it breaks up their purchase into smaller payments. Usually one is due right away. And then between four and six installments are due. And so those can be every two weeks, every month. It's essentially just a way of breaking up the payments. But the key thing is there's no interest as long as you pay on time.
3: Yeah, that's an important distinction. And what sets it apart from, you know, maybe getting a credit card? I mean, especially for people that have bad credit, maybe you can't get a credit card, this could be a good option, right? Especially as you mentioned, yeah. there's, there's no interest payments or anything, but it works differently. And and that and, you know it has some benefits and pitfalls because of that.
5: It does. And a lot of young people are very against credit cards or are wary of them. You know, with those high interest rates, you can really get in trouble, especially younger consumers in the Gen Z segment. So this is a, sort of a way to work around that. It's one of those services that at times sounds a bit too good to be true, and sometimes it is in that it causes you people to spend more than they actually have.
3: Once you get into holiday times, retailers are offering this as part of whatever they got going on just so people can start buying stuff. But there's apps now that you can do it year-round. I mean, you, you uh, either buy stuff straight through them or you use it as a payment option, and then uh, now you're just paying money to the app people.
5: Yeah. Well, what makes it so easy now is that so many retailers offer it. So that can be right through the checkout counter, you know, when you're going to say the online Sephora page, some also have it for brick and mortar stores in person. So it kind of just Pops right up when uh, you're checking out, and then what can get people in trouble is that there are so many of these, and you can use different services for different payments. So you know you could have two hundred dollars owed to Corna and four hundred to Affirm and eight hundred to Afterpay, and then you're trying to keep up with all of these different due dates and making sure they're all paid back on time. It can
3: get really complicated. Now, okay, so there was a survey from Credit Karma. So they're saying that a quarter of respondents saw their total debt increase after using some of these apps and these buy now, pay later services. 20% of them ended up using credit cards to pay down those balances. So you got to get you got to be really careful. And, you know, as I mentioned, financial experts are saying if you're the type of person to overspend already, you should be steering clear from these things.
5: If you do this responsibly, it can be really helpful. I mean, you know, just to not have to pay a full sum at once, maybe separate things out month by month. But if you're the kind of person who is prone to, you know, seeing something they want and impulse purchasing it, it can get pretty dangerous. And what really can get people is if you don't pay these back, then there come extra fees, extra charges, it can affect your credit score. So it's kind of, in some cases, really not helping people who already are struggling with uh, with debt and with their spending habits.
3: And how can it affect your credit score? Because some of the things, as you mentioned, they will they can pile on some fees. They could send it away to a debt collection. Is, is that where it would affect your credit?
5: Yeah, absolutely. That's where
3: it would start to really
5: hurt your credit score. You know, it would definitely depend on how much it is, how long you haven't paid it off, circumstances like that. But it's not a risk-free service, and it's definitely not free money.
3: As we mentioned, it's the new layaway thing. It's the thing that you're hearing every time holiday season comes up now.
5: Right. And especially with um, Apple getting into it, you know, there's such huge force in the market with Apple Pay. And, you know, it's probably only going to, to grow now that they're going to offer that as a service.
3: Claire Ballantyne, personal finance reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories you are interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by yours truly, Victor Wright, engineered by Tony Sorrentino, and hosted by Oscar Ramirez. I'm producer Victor Wright, and this was your Daily Dive.